But it wasn't because of the book that the people were celebrating, not because of the way it looked. There are much more beautiful books in the world, books with big glossy pictures, books with beautiful covers, the kind you take the, the uh, cover off and you hang it up on the wall of your house and you look at it and you think, oh, that's really beautiful. That's not why the people were celebrating. The reason people were celebrating is because inside were words like this. These are words that give life to the water and people. This is a simple message of the gospel that they now heard in their own language. They had been listening to the voice of God for many years. In fact, the church was established before we arrived by other missionaries who came from the Churches of Christ in Australia. But the voice of God that they heard was a muffled voice, indistinct, sometimes indecipherable, because it came to them not in their own language, but in the trade language. They had been anticipating the Word of God coming in their language for years. Because as we had been at work and as books were finished, we had published trial copies and given out in the village so people could read them and give us feedback. So they knew what was coming. But it was in dribs and drabs and bits and parts and now they were anticipating the whole thing. And when it came, they had prepared in their hearts a proper celebration to welcome God's word home to them. And now God no longer spoke in muffled sounds. He spoke in clear and crisp language, the language that they'd been listening to since their mothers and fathers first spoke to them. The words that they themselves had been speaking. Now God knew their language. Now God could speak clearly to them. And that is why they were celebrating. Rejoicing that God was now speaking clearly to them in words that touched their hearts. In words like the words they dreamed in. Like words that they heard every day in the village and they were receiving God's message in their own language. <clears throat> and this was a great part of the celebration. One of the 
things that really touched me during the dedication. There were a lot of great things that, that went on during that period of celebration. But in the video, you saw a man holding the book and reading it. The, the book had been marched in with a great deal of pomp and ceremony and had been placed before the grandstand. It was all covered up in purple cloth and not revealed to anyone. And then it, we were nearing the time in the program when I thought that it was time for the Bible reading. Uh, no one really followed the program. I don't know, I'm not sure why we printed it, but uh, anyway, it sort of was made up as we went along, but I thought it was about time, so I asked a couple of the men to go down and unwrap the Bible and bring it up onto the platform. And they went down, and as they began to unwrap it, the crowds that had retreated from the field to get under the shade of the trees, away from the sun, they just shoop, right back out, right up around those men. They could barely get the Bible uncovered and get it carried up on the grandstand. But it wasn't quite time, so the people kind of drifted back toward the shade. And then Matthew stood up with the Bible and opened it up. And again, the electromagnet magnet was shift, uh, switched on and shoot, here they came again. And they came right up there so they could hear every word that was read to them from the word of God. I've always wondered what the water and people would think about the work when we were done. What they would think about the word of God. And that one event let me know that they really did want to have the Word of God in their own language. That all the years of labor and, and work had been worth it because they were eager to hear God speak to them in their own language. Sometime later, a few months later, a couple months later, my daughter and I did a tour of water and villages. Our goal was to go to all of the 15 villages, uh, but unfortunately the rains were a little bit late in coming, and so some of the villages that were way up the streams we couldn't get to. But we got to 11 of them, and as we went along, we were distributing the Bibles, to the pastors who were actually working uh, in the churches. Uh, we were giving them Bibles and uh, we were selling them to everyone else because the translation team said, you need to sell the Bibles so that people know they're worth something. If you give them away, they won't respect them. They won't think they're worth anything. So to those that we knew would use the Bibles, whether they bought them or whether we gave them, we gave the Bibles. But to everyone else, we sold the Bibles. Our, our intention was to go up the river and then 
uh, come back down the river and sell the Bibles on the second day. But people, uh, when they heard that we had the Bibles, uh, they usually called us over and, and uh, wanted to buy a Bible. In almost every village, we had someone purchase a Bible that first day. And one of my favorite stories is at the last village, out on the very fringe of the language group, out where the, most of the people in the village have come out of Catholic backgrounds. And they hadn't shown a lot of interest in the word. We, we came up to the village and we started through it and no one was home. It seemed like every house was abandoned. And we just thought, I just thought, uh, that maybe people had moved off to another village or maybe there was something going on somewhere that we didn't know about and no one was home today. We got all the way through the village and we got up around a couple of bins and there was a woman on the shore. She had a big fish and uh, her, at her feet and I figured she was just down there to clean her fish. And I waited for my companions to call out and tell her what was going on so she could tell other people if there were any other people around. No one said a thing. They just sat there in the canoe like knots on a log. And finally, after I'd already gone past her, I thought, this is, uh, this is ridiculous. Aren't they going to tell her? And I couldn't take it anymore, so I just started in. I said, we're, we've brought the water and Bibles. We're going upriver to the Bible school. We'll turn around and come back tomorrow, and we'll be selling Bibles. And she started waving us over. And uh, the driver saw that, and he reversed the canoe and went ashore. Meanwhile, she went up the bank and into the, the bush behind uh, and called people, and a handful of people came out with her. The lady came back down to the river uh, with some money in hand, and she bought a Bible. And she got changed back. And somebody on the shore said, hey, buy a Bible for me too. And so she gave over some more money. And then some more money came down from the bank, and we sold three Bibles there to a lady with a fish by the seashore. Sounds kind of biblical, doesn't it? I don't know, but those folks that bought the Bible must have done some PR work because when we came back the next morning, uh, there were three more people who bought Bibles in that same little village out on the fringe of the language, places that are hard to get to. They were eager to hear God speak to them in their own language. And a little bit further down the river, we came to a man who waved us over at another village. We went ashore. We didn't know. Uh, we, it's not the, the water and people themselves didn't even, that were in the canoe with us, they didn't know where the good place was to go ashore in the village. So we saw this little flat area of uh, nearly level ground down at the water's edge, and they pulled over there. Well, this guy comes walking down. He wants to buy a Bible, and he's standing there, and they're 
getting the Bible out and making change and uh, everything. And I notice that he's just getting shorter and shorter and shorter. It wasn't quick stand, but it was pretty much like it. It was a place where the, the current just brought soft soil back in and deposited it. And he sunk down up to above his knees. And people on the bank were yelling at him, hey, get out of there, you're going to get stuck. And he said, no, I'm not leaving until I get my Bible. And he stood right there until he got his Bible, and then he couldn't get out. So people had to get a log and bring it down and put it out to the canoe and then walk out on the log and pull him up. But he left, and he was holding that Bible up and waving it like he just won a gold medal at the Olympics. Why do I tell you these stories? Because you need to know what God has done in another part of the world. You also need to know what you have done. Because you have been a part of the ministry among the water. Whereas some people say, lo, these many years. <laughs> Look at Keith. He, he came over when he was a young man. Look at him. He's old now. <laughs> He's done lost all his hair. You know, it, it has taken a while. Not everybody takes so long. But we did other things along the way as well. But in his time, and I sincerely believe this, that all the delays that happened were according to God's plan so that he could deliver the, to the water and people at the time in the life of the church that he knew it would be most beneficial he delivered the Bible to them and now they can hear him speaking clearly to them to him to them uh, in their own language we are we, Robin and I, are like the point of the sphere. But you know, the point of the spear does not actually kill the animal that the guys throw it at. The part that actually does the damage, the point's out there on the end, and yes, it does, it does do the, some damage, but you can stand there all day and throw the point of a spear at a pig and he's just gonna keep on running. It's that shaft that's behind it that gives it weight. And when it's thrown, it gives the inertia and the momentum that keeps that spear point driving forward until it reaches its mark. You are the shaft of our spear. What we have been able to accomplish by the grace of God has been with your help. And we say thank you and God bless you for what you have done for us and for the other missions who are here this week and or this weekend and all those who you support that are not here. We say thank you because you are giving weight to the work that we are doing out on the field. We're doing it on your behalf for the Lord, but we couldn't do it without you. You're very vital 
just as the shaft is vital to the success of the sphere. Why is it important that the modern people have the word of God in their own language? It's because God wants them to be a part of his kingdom. He's already told us that it would happen at least in some measure <clears throat> in the book of Revelation in chapter 5 there are two passages that I would like to read when the lamb appears in heaven the elders sing a new song you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Every language, and that includes water. And then over in chapter 7, verse 9, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. The water and people have a place in the kingdom of God. They have a place reserved for them around the throne of God. We know some have already gone on to take their place because we have known them, we've seen their witness. But now as the church among the water and enters the third generation, all those who first responded to the gospel are pretty much gone. Those to whom the gospel was a brand new thing. And sadly, the second generation did not do much for the kingdom. They did not really accept what their fathers and mothers had accepted. They went their own way. And now in the third generation, we see those children, those young people, those young married couples coming to the Lord again. About four years ago, I was invited to speak at a convention that was being held, a church convention. It was being held in one of the Wadern villages. And most of the people who showed up there were watering people. And there were 95 baptisms that week. Nothing that was done at that convention brought about the change in those people's lives. But it was the faithful witness of pastors and teachers, many from the first generation who had reached down 
past the fail generation to reach these young people and turn their hearts to the Lord. And now we stand waiting to see what God will do with his word in the water and language for the water and people of the third generation as they come to him and build the church. I know if you look back over our lives, you think, it's been a long time. Those guys have been over there. What took so long? Well, I ask that myself sometimes. Uh, but I will remind you of this. You probably don't have never seen this. Maybe you have, but I don't see a lot of skyscrapers here in Carmi. But when those guys in New York City or Chicago want to build a skyscraper, they dig a big hole and they work down in that hole for months and years before they ever reach up to the ground level. Because the success of that building, when it is built, depends on its foundation. You can't just go out here in the cornfield or the bean field and build a skyscraper. It'll fall over or it'll sink. We have tried our best to provide the Word of God in clear and accurate and natural language for the water and people as a foundation on which they, were, they could build. And now I could say that we're up to ground level, at least. But what will they do with it? Our goal has never, our, our complete goal has never been just to provide them with a book. If all we wanted to do was to provide them with a book, we could have done that about 37 years ago. Or even to provide them a book in their own language. That has never been the goal. The goal has been to transform the water and people into the people of God. And, to, and by transforming individuals, we transform the society so that it's no longer a society that lives in fear because of uh, the evil spirits that they know exist around them. But it is a people that stand triumphant in Jesus Christ. We know that God is working among the water and people. And we have been privileged to witness some of those people who have moved from a traditional lifestyle to a life of faith. One of my favorite people is Pastor Konambi. Apart from our co-translators, uh, Samuel Sangon and Sarah Tange, Pastor Konambi was the most involved person in the translation process. For the 27 books of the New Testament that went through uh, the, the whole process and have now been published, he was at the consultant checking session of 21 of those books. So his fingerprints and his knowledge of, of the Bible 
and the language are all over the translation. As we were finishing up, Pastor Konami got very sick. And he came into the hospital in Madang, the town where we were working uh, to try to finish up. And got him into the hospital. It turned out that he had uh, TB of the spine of the spine and he was so bad that he couldn't walk any longer and before he left the village his family told him some of his family anyway told him they didn't want him to go they wanted him instead to go to the sorcerer and consult with the sorcerer and find out what spirit had been made angry and who was causing this disease and Konambi just flat out told them no. He said, I am not going to do that. I believe in God. And I am going to continue to believe in God. And so he rejected his family's advice and got on the plane and came to town. And when he got to the hospital, he told me this story. And he said, people in my family think I'm going to die here and so they didn't want me to come it'd be a waste of money and difficult to get my body back to the village but he said I'm not going to die I trust in God but even if I do die that's okay I'm going to continue to believe in God but here's what I'm going to tell you today he said I am going to walk out of this hospital and it took months. But he did walk out of that hospital. And today, if you go to Yar Village and watch him walk, you would not think anything strange at all about his gait because he walks normally. He's got a little bit of a shuffle, but most men his age have a shuffle. But he very faithfully preaches the gospel almost every time the doors of the church are open. Sometimes other pastors preach, but mostly it's Konambi. And mostly he is the one who encourages the church to keep moving forward. And he knows so much scripture. He puts me to shame. He just starts talking and it's just one scripture right after another. But he is a man who demonstrates what all of us need to demonstrate in our Christian life. We are faithful in our faith. He could have given up, but he did not. He could have turned back to the old ways, but he did not. He remained faithful to God. And to this very day, he remains faithful to God. If we are going to be faithful to God, it took a long time for me to be able to say this. I think that Robin and I have been faithful in the mission that God has given us. And we would challenge you to also be faithful in the mission that God has given you. Being faithful in our faith is a key part of that faithfulness. We also need to be faithful in prayer we have had a, a great host of prayer warriors 
who have prayed with us week after week, especially during the, the finalization process when we were running out of time and running out of patience. And it didn't seem like the task was ever going to We were never going to be able to send that book off to the printer. But there were people who came alongside us all around the world who prayed regularly. And I am confident that we would still be at work if people hadn't been praying. They kept us going. Prayer is very important. And praying extreme prayers, prayers that can't be answered without God's help. If you pray only for what you can already do, then where's the trust in God? Keep up with your Bible study. You know, the water and people are excited to have the Word of God in their own language. You saw the singing and the dancing and the celebrating, and it's, I, I'm here to tell you it is still going on. At that time when the video was made, I wasn't sure what was going to happen, but I can tell you the celebration is still going on because they are embracing the Word of God like never before. What about you? Because you have the Word of God available to you every time you turn around, it's there. It's on your phones. It's on your tables. It's in your car. Wherever you want, the Word of God is there in your own language. Are you taking advantage of it? God calls us to study his Word and to know who he is. In God's Word, when we study, we not only know what God wants us to do, we know who he is. We learn who he is and how he thinks. And it's pretty clear that God doesn't think like any American businessman. He is a God who leaves the 90 and 9 and goes out after the one who is lost. And Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And that includes the lost here in Carmi and the lost among the Wadron and the lost everywhere else in the world. Jesus came to seek and to save those who were lost. And that's where the next area of faithfulness comes in. Be faithful in your witness. Be consistent between what you say you believe and what you actually do. My father didn't come to the Lord until he was 55 years old. I'd already been two terms in Papua New Guinea and he still did, had not come to the Lord. And you know what his excuse was? I know it's an excuse, but it was his reason why he didn't like to go to church. He said, the church is full of hypocrites. And to some extent that's inevitable because the standard that God has set before us is very high and none of us lives up to it perfectly. But when we are blatantly hypocritical, when there's a gap between what we say we believe and what we actually do, it makes it harder for people to cross over from unbelief to belief. So be faithful in your witness. 
And don't be hesitant to speak to people who need Jesus. And be faithful in your service. This combines both the last two points, but I want to tell you, those of you who are older, and you know, you may think, well, I would like to do something more for the Lord. You can still do it. If it were not for two couples in my home church, when I was in high school, Today, I would be a nuclear scientist at Oak Ridge. I was well on my way down that pathway, and everything, every course I took in high school and everything I did outside of high school was aiming me in that direction. But these two couples, independently, spoke to me about considering Johnson Bible College as a place to go to college and to consider the ministry. And I thought they were nuts, but I did it anyway. And I, I put myself in a position where God could call me to further service. Speak to your young people. I know Brother Terry would be very happy for you to do that. He said so earlier today, but Reach out to people and direct them to something that has value and meaning in life more than the glitz and the, and the allure of the world around us. And be faithful in your service. Maybe God wants you to be a missionary. Just because you haven't done it yet doesn't mean you can't. But let's all agree that we will be faithful in our following after God. And <clears throat> I don't know where you are on that road of faithfulness. Maybe you've not even reached the first step. Maybe you haven't ever put your faith in Jesus Christ. No, maybe you've never opened up your heart and allowed Jesus to speak to you. Maybe you're like on the path that my father was on for so very long. But God is speaking to you now and calling you to consider coming to follow him. Maybe you're somewhere down the road and you just need to be encouraged to be more passionate, to be more faithful in your Christian life, to be more concerned about those around you. I think all of us can identify with that one. And help, ask God to help you to be more aggressive in speaking his word to those around you. Thank you for allowing us to have this ministry among the watering. And thank you for enabling for praying with us and enabling us to continue on 
till we see that whole society transformed and empowered by the word of God. And we pray for you too that that might happen here in Carmine. God bless you.